What if it's not too late? What if you truly can retire confidently? I'm Telton W. Hall, certified financial planner and best-selling author of The Secure Solution, creating a high-quality retirement in a low-interest rate world. My team and I have engaged in thousands of retirement planning sessions with middle and upper middle class Americans, people like you with their own unique fears and families and their own messes and their own successes. And they have done just that, retired confidently. If you're willing to go with me, I can tell you how. It's story time. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for joining me. I wanted to visit with you today about what happens when your spouse passes away and they have IRA or 401k assets, particularly IRA assets. So here's the situation that uh, brought this up. So I wanted to to share it with you. If If it's helpful at all, there's going to be somebody here in the audience that this could be beneficial for. And so I wanted to share it with you. So the situation is that husband and wife have a large discrepancy of age. And so the wife in this situation is younger than age 59 and a half. And the husband uh, accumulated a 401k rolled that to an IRA. They were taking required minimum distributions from that to supplement their retirement income. And then very recently he died, he passed away. And she is the primary beneficiary on that account. So in a, in a typical situation, let's say that they're both very similar in age. Let's pretend both of them are 70 years old, they are retired, and they have been taking withdrawals from their IRA, and the uh, wife in this situation is the primary beneficiary, then she would make that IRA her own. She would, the technical term is assume that IRA, so it would it would become her own asset, her own IRA. There would be no indication after the death claim was processed and the funds were transferred from his IRA into her IRA, and she could establish a new one or she could even add it to her own IRA that she already has set up. There would be no indication that that money ever even came from a death situation, an inheritance situation, or a death claim situation. So that's a, some people will call it a spousal IRA where when in this situation, let's just stick, let's keep the, the situation the same. The husband passes away, the wife assumes his IRA, and then people will call that a spousal IRA. And that's fine. Just for clarity purposes, the reality is it's not spousal at all. It's just a hundred percent her IRA that happened to be funded. At least this, this part of it happened to be funded through a transfer of his IRA assets when when he passed away. That's very typical. That's very normal. And so the, and she takes it, uh, that IRA, and now the required minimum distributions are going to be calculated when they start off of her age, and she can do whatever she wants with that asset. It's her IRA. She can update the beneficiaries however she wants. She fully assumes and owns that IRA. 
let's pretend that they were both 50 years old and that happened, then a lot of times she will do the same thing, roll that over into her own IRA, let it accumulate. After age 59 and a half, there's no 10% penalty on withdrawals, so she can start to take whatever type of withdrawals she wants to take, or maybe she's not going to retire. Maybe she's going to retire, let's say 65. She assumes her husband's that passed away IRA at, let's pretend age 50. She lets that grow to 60. She doesn't want to retire or take income yet. She lets it grow to 65. Okay, now she's ready to retire. She just starts taking those withdrawals, or she doesn't even have to take those withdrawals until required minimum distributions kick in. And at that point, it would be based on her life expectancy factors, and she would start to take withdrawals uh, from them. So that's kind of more the typical approach, probably the most prevalent way to think about what happens with IRA, 401k, 403b money uh, when one spouse passes away and the uh, living spouse assumes that IRA. In this situation, though, if she assumes that IRA and it becomes 100% her IRA, she's still in her mid-50s. She will get a 10% penalty on any withdrawals that she takes from that IRA until she is age 59 and a half. And she's going to need to supplement her income from that IRA. So we don't really want to do the traditional assumption of the IRA into her own name so that it's in her own, her own asset. So then let me walk you through the other potential options. She could take a lump sum, which would then transfer that asset out of an IRA. It's taxable all at once. And so you'll have this big chunk, however much the IRA is, that's taxable at ordinary income rates and then moves into her name. And at that point, you've got the most flexibility because it's not in an IRA. So there's no required minimum distributions. You you just own it. You control it. You take whatever withdrawals you want from it. You add however much you want to that account. So you got tons of flexibility, but you had to pay taxes on that big lump sum at ordinary income rates all at, uh, at one time. So that's a, a lump sum option. Typically not a super viable option coming from a traditional IRA because it's going to be taxable all at once. And the nature of our tax system is that if you pass over into higher tax rates, right now the largest tax bracket is 12% federal. Uh, but if you go over that threshold, you bump up into the 22% and it continues up from there. So if you're cruising in the 12% and then all of a sudden you add a, a big chunk of income, all of a sudden you're at least at the 22 or higher percent federal tax rate. So lump sum, although is potentially there, probably not super viable. The the other approach is that you can do an inherited IRA, meaning that instead of assuming the IRA, that you designate that this is going to be inherited. That's more typical for what happens when a parent passes away and leaves money to a child. That child does an inherited IRA, and if that were to happen today, then that child would be able to avoid paying taxes on that lump sum all at once, but they would have 10 years when they need to totally deplete that IRA. So at least that gives them 10 years to take those funds out, 
if they took them in equal payments over that time frame, then you're only paying taxes on one-tenth. So maybe there's a chance you can keep those withdrawals inside of your current tax brackets and not bump you up into higher tax brackets. So that's also an option for a spouse. A spouse could do an inherited IRA, and this spouse has two ways that they can take withdrawals. One would be the 10-year rule that I just described to you, which is applicable to a typically a child inheriting from a parent. The other way is the surviving spouse's life expectancy. So basically what it is, is it's a required minimum distribution that you have to take from this inherited IRA, but there's no 10% penalty if you're younger than age 59 and a half. So that's why I wanted to float this idea out there to you, because there are certain circumstances where instead of just going with the standard assume the IRA, which is very, very typical and I think very, very appropriate, the vast majority of times, there is this situation when the the surviving spouse is younger than age 59 and a half, and they're going to need to supplement their income by taking withdrawals from that account before age 59, then one way to avoid that 10% penalty is to designate that when you receive this death benefit payment from the IRA, that you designate that that's going to go into an inherited IRA instead of into your own uh, assumed IRA. And in that case, you give up a little bit of flexibility because now you have to take withdrawals based on your life expectancy. And there's a a table that we use for our clients. So we, we just calculate that for them every year. And you can look that up on the IRS's website. It's called a life expectancy table, and there's a few of them, and you'll have to read the, the rules on which one you use. But it gives you a factor. You you take the account value at the end of each year, divide it by the factor, and then that gives you the total amount of withdrawal that you'll need to take. So you do give up just a touch of flexibility by doing the inherited IRA instead of the assumed. Because with the assumed, there's no requirement to to start to draw those funds, to take a distribution each year. With the inherited IRA, there is that requirement. So you'll need to take at least that much. But the nice thing is it's taxable, but it's not a 10% penalty on top of that. So it gives you some more freedom in that regard to take at least the RMD based on your life expectancy. Or if you need to take more, you can take more. And after age 59 and a half, you could convert that over to an assumed spousal IRA, and let's say something changed and you didn't need the income, then you could convert that to an assumed IRA after age 59 and a half. If you wanted to take withdrawals, you can. There's no 10% penalty, just the taxes. Or you could leave that in the account, let that marinate and grow, and your required minimum distributions would kick in at the appropriate age. So I wanted to float that out there to you. Hopefully, well, hopefully. There's not something going on in your life right now where you're having to work through that and uh, and make those kind of decisions. But if you are, I hope that was super, super helpful for you. Thanks for joining me this week. And make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast. A little heads up here. I'm not certain what I'm going to do over the summer. If I'm going to take a little break and not do a podcast, 
And if so, make sure that you subscribe so that when I jump back in and start doing those, you'll get that notification that a new Retire Confidently podcast is available for you. So if you haven't, make sure to jump on and uh, subscribe to the podcast. You'll need to put your email address in there so that uh, if we make any changes or change the the weekly to to something less than that or take a little break and then jump back in and start later in the year, you'll get notifications of that. Hey, have a great one. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, one last thing. If you have not checked out the Retire Confidently program recently, you really need to. We have drastically changed the cost associated with that program. So to go to teltonhall.com forward slash program, and then click sign up and then put in the discount code podcast, podcast, all caps. You're going to be blown away at the price that you'll pay for what a program that could massively change your retirement outlook, your confidence towards your retirement and make thousands, ten thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars of difference in your retirement. Don't miss this. Take advantage of it right now. Teltonhall.com forward slash program. Click sign up. Use the discount code podcast in all caps. And for the price of, I mean, the less than a pair of basketball shoes, less than a really nice dinner out, you can get access to a program where we've seriously tried to give you every tip, every trick, every piece of education, every strategy that we can to turn any angst you have about retirement into confidence towards your retirement. Check it out. Teltonhall.com forward slash program. I am super excited for you. Your future retired self is ecstatic for you.